Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Today, I'm joined by Bill Gallagher. Better to be informal, but start with the fact that Bill is a highly rated business coach who is passionate about helping CEOs and entrepreneurs manage growth better restore time, order, and sanity to their lives, and get growing again or growing faster. With more than 36 years of entrepreneurial and executive experience and 18 years coaching and training leaders who want to improve their leadership and performance, he now works with leaders and teams in over 28 cities and 13 countries. He's led four companies as CEO owner and was a partner slash executive in two others as they grew from startup to more than $500 million in annual revenue. A former DJ and radio executive, Bill hosts the Scaling Up podcast. In his free time, he's an avid surfer, sailor, skateboarder, pilot, scuba enthusiast, and recovering triathlete. Happily married for more than 20 years, he and his wife, Lori, live in the Oakland Hills, and are parents to two young adult entrepreneurs. Wow, Bill, that's amazing. Welcome to the show. You know, it sounds like a lot when you write it all out like that. But of course, all those things don't all happen all at once, right? The I don't skateboard that often. Uh, you know, I'm not in every country every year. I can only coach so many companies at once. So. Sounds, as long uh, as you're not DJing while you're skateboarding and surfing, then we're okay. Yes. <laughs> that, that's like a good idea, though. Exactly. So um, I know you, you've been around. You've done it all. And throughout it, you know, all these experiences, these life experiences, these business experiences. Have you ever had a situation where you felt burned out or maybe just kind of stuck? Yeah. So I, I've definitely uh, had a moment where I was the most stuck, but I think that uh, there are many times in different areas of life where I feel stuck or burned out all the time. And I don't know, you know, if, if you've had this or your listeners, viewers have, but you know, there's times where your relationship feels stuck or times when your job feels stuck or times where your fitness feels stuck, like you've plateaued or you're in a rut or like something like that. And so for me, the, the like biggest, most obvious standout kind of thing like that happened in 2001. 
Um, so in 2001, I had what I thought I had always wanted in my life. I had, uh, I was married to a beautiful woman, same woman I'm married to today. Um, and we had two kids and they were beautiful and above average, right? Like, and they were, uh, we had a nice house and we had a cat and, you know, we had, uh, three businesses between us. So all these things that I said that I wanted, I had, and I was stuck and miserable. I was angry with my wife. Our three businesses were failing. Parenting was just a lot of work, and um, it was hard sometimes to enjoy, you know, the kids and the experience of it. Um, so all of that, right, um, was going on, and I, I was just deeply, deeply stuck. And and all the things that I thought um, and that I relied on, like personal strengths, you know. Um, that I had used and, and called in different things that had got me to that point, that had helped me start businesses, that had helped me grow one over 500 million um, before I was 30. All of that stuff now wasn't working, right? It, it wasn't getting me out of this. The businesses were failing. My wife and I were fighting with each other over the stress of all of it. And I was really, really stuck. So up to that point, the my notion of who I was and the strengths that I you know I still rely on today being kind of strategic being a talker talking my way out of things uh, being articulate um, trying to make a joke about something um, being persuasive strategic creative smart none of that gave me any avenue for the solution. And uh, so I called a coach uh, who had coached me some years earlier. And I said, look, I, you know, I got to <laughs> figure something out. And he said, well, your life is definitely like you're stuck and that kind of thing. And uh, he did a variety of exercises with me. I won't tell you all of them. But the biggest thing that opened up the most for me, aside from like first acknowledging how stuck I was, right? How burnout, how frustrated I was and how ready to sort of give up on all of it that I that I'd said that I wanted and that I cherish to this day all those things um, is asking myself if my life turned out right if I triumphed over all these things and then lived a long life and then it was successful by whatever that means for me and then at the end of my life after I'm dead and gone what did I want people to say about me, right? Some people call this memorial or obituary or retirement exercise. It comes under a lot of different names. But like, what did I want to be said about me? So I pictured the people I love, uh, the kids, the wife that I was fighting with, my siblings, a few close friends. And I imagined them gathered around. And what I really wanted them to say is that I was one of the good guys. That I had made a difference in their lives and in the people that I'd worked with and that I touched, that I was, you know, generous. Um, and I and I realized that that had nothing to do with being smart and articulate, um, with strategizing my way out and talking my way out of anything um, or the present problems. It was about being connected to human beings. And then I started to look around my life and realize that, like, I had a really great office. And I have a great office now. I had a great office then. I loved my little space. I was away in my head in my office with my plans for me and my life and my kids and my wife and my house. And it was not about other people. And, and I would say that's the moment where I sort of first sort of noticed 
the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life to be a contribution and make a difference for other people. Um, and, uh, and that really like started to alter everything. Like I was deeply moved by that. And when I think about my life today and the kind of work that I do and the privilege that I have, like it's rooted in that fundamental shift that happened in late 2001, early 2002. The, my life became not so much just about the strengths, but about something deeper that mattered to me that I wanted said, you know, and, and I've worked with lots of people since then. And some people have never gotten in touch with their life purpose, right? They know things that are important to them, like beauty or knowledge or truth or other people. But it's always the purpose is always kind of something outside yourself. It's not just personal and selfish. Um, and even if it's something that you deeply care about, like, like beauty or knowledge, until you give it away, until it's shared, it's not really about life purpose. And then other people have um, something that's sort of automatic given to them culturally. We see this in, particularly in communities of faith, people with strong faith backgrounds, and they say, I want to do God's work on this earth or that kind of thing. And the problem with that, it's actually okay, but the problem with it, like what's missing in it is it's not yet personal. It's just like too automatic. Somebody said, you know, whatever, and whether it's Jesus or tikkun olam or whatever it is for you, there's like a automatic kind of thing. And so until you kind of personalize it and say, well, what would God's work be for you? and you make it your own, and you figure out what part of it you care about, then you don't have the purpose. So I think a lot of times, like figuring out your bigger purpose is really helpful in being and staying unstuck through all the ups and downs in life. So now, you know, like when I come up against something, or I have a setback, and I had a huge project fail last year and cost me a lot of money, and uh, and another one that chewed up a lot of time and didn't go anywhere, and um, but through all that, I'm like, yeah, but my life in this stage, this last bit of my career is about making a difference. Um, and as long as I can look at that and see what I'm doing, I can get myself unstuck again and again. Right. That's beautiful. And I think what really stood out to me was how, where you started was focusing on what you want. And so you got everything you want but life still wasn't what you wanted it to be. So sometimes we have this idea of when I have the wife and the kids in the car and the house and the career and all this stuff, then I'll be happy. But that's not really what does it. It's really your inner state. And so you started out with all of these things. And then you're talking about the other extreme, which is focusing on God's work or something of that nature where you're not really in it. It's more about this other side of like focusing on everybody else and helping everybody else. And it's really like the, it sounds like the secret sauce is when you blend the two together and you're like, there's my part in this. And this is why it's purposeful in my life, but also I get to leave a legacy and impact lives and make a difference. And when we marry the two, that's where there's more energy, more motivation, and we can have the biggest impact. Yeah, I'd actually say that a purpose-centered life and a life that's sort of burnout-resistant um, is is actually kind of related to something that maybe is not two things, but three things, and uh, very similar to the Japanese concept of ikigai, um, where we have things that we are great at, and we have things that are deeply moving and fulfilling for us, and then we have things that we enjoy. So, like, fulfillment and enjoyment 
are related but distinct. Like there's a hedonistic aspect of like a self-pleasure. I like to ski. I like to be outdoors. I like to be uh, by the water, uh, on the ocean. I like to be up in the mountains. Um, th those are satisfying, enjoyable. I like music. I like a lot of things. Uh, but they're not fulfilling necessarily. The making a difference part is deeply fulfilling. So if I can take then, and then what am I good at? Like I'm good at teaching, at coaching, at uh, uh, creating things. Um, if I can take and combine what I'm good at, what's fulfilling, and then the things I enjoy and wrap all those together. So if I'm leading a workshop on Santorini with people helping them redesign their life, like I'm kind of hitting all the fronts and I'm like, woo, this is peak time for me, right? If I can live more of my life like that every day, then, uh, then you know, the, the you, you definitely still have setbacks and upsets. You know, I had an upset with a big thing like that that I did this year and I was upset about it and I didn't manage it well, um, you know. So that could lead to burnout if it's sort of left alone, right? If we don't notice it or pay attention to it, which is maybe, uh, that's probably a good entree to talk to you about, um, uh, one of my clients, Alex, years ago. And so I had this guy, new CEO, came to me and he's like, you know, I had regular conversations with him every couple of weeks, um, developing him as a new CEO. And he came to me and he, he's like, yeah, I'm, maybe this is the wrong business. Maybe I should, you know, start to get out of this thing. There were other owners and investors involved and, you know, maybe I should just tell the board and, and start to pull, pull out of it. And I'm like, yeah, there's something else going on here. What's going on? And so he starts to describe his burnout, his malaise around the whole thing, his complete lack of motivation. And I kind of listened to it. And, and it was really different from what I'd heard, you know, just a couple like one or two sessions before, you know, less than a month ago, he was like lit up and I'm working on this and I'm working on that. And uh, so we sort of peeled back. I'm like, okay, when did this change? And he's like, I don't know, it just kind of happened. But as he looked a little bit more, he saw there was a moment and uh, when things shifted, and it was a small thing. And then it sort of grew and built its own energy. And I think a lot of us have that. So he had, I, I don't even remember exactly what it was anymore, but it was like a, a pitch or a project or something that didn't go well, right? Mm -hmm. And he uh, he got really disappointed. He didn't really tell anyone. He projected that failure, that setback onto the whole future of the things. Well, if that doesn't go like this, then everything's not going to go like this. And this isn't going to be the big success. And this is not going to be the opportunity for me to be a breakout CEO. And this company sucks, or it's not the right one for me. And I need to move on because my life is short, right? Like there was a whole unconscious um, thought like that. Some of it a little bit conscious, so, you know, that internal dialogue, that voice inside that's usually uh not on your side that's usually talking you out of things and um talking about what's wrong with you and like that kind of thing that voice then work in there sometimes conscious sometimes not and then building and then he's increasingly private right in business and kind of going through the motions and then he shows up to a conversation he's like i'm just burnt out so there's a um an exercise that I I'm not sure exactly who invented it but I learned it from one of the old American self-help gurus um originally and I've seen lots of other people do it since then but it's a be do have exercise right so 
that, and you were kind of referencing it, the, like if we just had certain things, then we would do certain things and they would be a certain way. And that's the normal way of thinking. If I had a million dollars or a hundred million dollars or a billion or whatever is your thing or circum, or like if I had the house or the wife or the, the husband, um, then I would finally do that. And then I would be a certain way. And what, Zig taught us in that exercise that we used with Alex and and many other people is let's flip that around. So imagine that you overcame this, right? And that you didn't let yourself give up with that thing. You found a way to get either them back, that that project or that client back or something else like it. Um, then how would you feel then? And what would you do if you had overcome that? And then we look at kind of all that and we notice some of the things are really dependent on the state. Like, you know, if I had a million dollars, I would spend this, I would do that. And, but then other things are less dependent on that. Like you could do them no matter what money or circumstance you had. And then the way of being, right? And so he came up with like, uh, being um, open and unleashed or something like that, being bold. And, uh, and he, and so we went to his team and after some coaching and working out and, and seeing that being courageous and open with them would actually be an expression of that. So he goes and he tells them, listen, I had this setback. I don't know if you noticed, but I've been in a funk. I've been gray and it's probably been crappy to work with me and and I haven't been too creative and I'm I'm sorry even if you didn't know what was going on for not being a strong leader for you but I just want you to know what I'm lit up by is you know being this unleashed powerful unstoppable leader and so I'm going to figure out a way to deal with this right and people loved it right and then he got lit up again and he went through a series of things until they finally exited that company um but you know it's a great example for me of like unsticking like Okay, so you're in a funk. Let's first acknowledge that, right? That's the self-awareness bit. And then let's see if we can figure out what that moment was where it went off. Because if we just keep doing stuff on top of that without uncovering that that decision point, then it keeps coming back to us. But if we dig back a little bit to where it shifted, uncover it, and then re-engineer it, and then look forward at it overcome and figure out that missing piece that would actually shift things for you right now, not like firing yourself up when you feel shitty, but figuring out the missing ingredient that actually alters the way of being in the moment and that gives you access to new actions, new ways of living, like that kind of thing. I think that's the difference. I, I don't love the people who just, you know, like do some breathing exercise and fire themselves up or whatever, because it's on top of the crappy stuff that's like undiscovered uh, and not acknowledged. Right. It's important to start with what you got. But what you're ultimately talking about, which I talk about a lot as well, is changing your identity. Right. When you talk about the being part of it, it's about what kind of person do you want to be and how do you see yourself? Oftentimes we identify with being a certain way and that in and of itself traps us. Yes, yes. Right. Right. And 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 one of the things we know when it comes to building new habits is that when you change your identity, it's a lot easier to follow through. So for instance, if you were somebody who, for example, wanted to get really into shape, but you've always struggled. You've always kind of started off strong and then it dwindled down. That's what happens to most people. If you started to 
show up even for one minute. This is going to align with this new identity of I am the kind of person who fill in the blank. I'm the kind of person who exercises regularly, right? So instead of me just like, oh, you know, I'm tired. I'm going to take the day off. I'm just going to show up for that one minute. I feel like I'm aligned with that new identity, right? And that's enough to keep the streak so that once I really start to believe it and I really feel like I can get aligned behind that, that new identity, it's so much easier for me to increase those increments from one minute to five minutes to 10 minutes to 30 minutes and so forth. So a lot of what you're talking about is that, you know, we get into the doing mode and it creates all kinds of issues for us. Like we become overwhelmed and we're stressed and we're anxious and all these things. And from the way you described Alex previously, definitely sounded like a lot of what he was struggling with was his own mind. It was creating all kinds of catastrophes and worries and anxiety. He's what I call a thinker. And that's one version of burnout, right? That's like one thing that for sure can burn you out. If you're constantly having all of this negative chatter inside your own head, that's a chronic stress. And there's different kinds of stressors for each of us. But for people who are thinkers, those kinds of chronic stressors are what lead them to burnout. And so really getting to a point where you're rethinking your whole paradigm and figuring out like you said, start with the end in mind. Who do you want to be? And then work yourself backwards. You know, as you speak, I, I think I'm reminded of something that maybe I am, have more access to than, than it, it, maybe the norm. But um, are this identity, who you think you are, who we think we are, starts right in childhood. I was born in L.A. Then we moved to Hawaii. Then we moved to a van in Europe. Then I learned to speak Spanish. Then I learned to speak Swiss German. Then we moved back to the States. Then we lived in Hawaii again. Then I took my surfboard and my skateboard and we moved to Jerusalem and I learned to speak Hebrew. And in each case, the identity shifts and changes. But most of us start building something in childhood and then we go to right around puberty and it starts to become really fixed. We think that we are a way, we sound a way. I'm the smart and articulate guy who speaks four languages. And then uh, not so well anymore. Uh, but uh, uh, but we go through that, and then we think we're going to be that way for the rest of our life. We pick a haircut, especially guys. You pick a haircut somewhere around high school or college years, and then you never change it for the rest of your life. And and you get like really fixed in that with everything. But I, you couldn't cut me up and find inside me anywhere surfer, Hawaii, Hebrew speaker, like any of that kind of thing. None of that, all of that's learned, adapted, and you're not dead yet. And you could still take on new personas, new skills, new ways yes. of being, like oh, all that, yeah. you know, until you stop breathing, there's still an opportunity to shift and change and, and expand. That's the growth mindset. That's yeah. the ability to continue to learn. You just have to be open to it. So that's uh, all kind of relating back to what you were talking about with regards to burnout, for Alex and this, uh, you know, this need to rest and recover. Um, yeah. Tell us your your other couple of tips for for the listeners. 
Uh, well, I think the first thing like that's in from large and small things is just like massive self-awareness and vulnerability and courage, right? If I just moment by moment are like, how do I feel now? Get in touch with your thoughts and your feelings at a deeper level, um, which isn't to say to become overly navel gazing or self obsessed, but just really like aware and responsible for who you are, how you are, how you feel, so that then you can deal with it. Like you can name it. Oh, I'm feeling really self conscious right now. Um, I need something, or I like, oh, I just did that. Like you can own it and then kind of move through it. Um, I think is probably the biggest, most important thing that that self awareness and then the courage to be vulnerable enough to deal with it often in a public way. So, wow, I, I'm embarrassed. I don't have a plan for this. I wasn't prepared. Like, okay, so what am I going to do? I'm committed to carrying out this role or doing whatever. Um, is a not a normal way that many of us speak, right? So I think that kind of thing, and there's lots of things you can do to expand that and start to be more public and more responsible for the way that you are, the natural way that you are. And then to, to notice those kinds of things, be willing to unpack them or go back when you get a setback, right? That becomes more faster, uh, more immediate, more accessible to deal with that instead of it like dragging on for a long time. And then like you mentioned about fitness and that kind of thing, I think it's important uh, for every area of life um, and for any situation aspect and even for your whole life to have something that lights you up. What is the purpose of your life? And you know, the, the thing is all those movies, the Eat, Pray, Love or whatever, where they go on a discovery and they're in a funk and whatever. The answer, the secret's always the same. It was always inside of you, and you don't have to. I mean, it's fun to go off to Bali or whatever and and hang out. It's a cool place. I highly recommend it. But um, you could actually figure out the purpose of your life in the next five minutes. Um, what do you want? And then start to own it. Start to say it. It's not something somebody gives you that some guru is going to bless on you. It's it's actually just created, owned, authored by you. And it can change over time the way you say it. I've said mine many different ways over time. But it just it just needs to light you up. So um, say what yeah, lights you Yeah, it can evolve you. over time. And then it's different. Like if the purpose of my life is making a difference, right? What's the purpose of my work? Well, the purpose of my work is helping leaders – because that's who I work with, build a better world. It's something they want to do that they think is worthwhile. So I just help them fulfill that. And I trust that I work with the right kinds of people. Right. So it's really about having the awareness, you know, going within, understanding yourself, figuring out where the juice is for you, and then creating the kind of life that aligns with that, where you are making the kind of difference in the world, whether it's you doing something directly or you helping other people do what they want to do and supporting them in the process as you do, Bill. Yes, but the deal is that you can't just go find inspiration and put it on something, right? The phrase is you can't put icing on a mud pie and change it. So the if you're going to go find some inspiration for something, but you've got some underlying funk that's in the way, you've got to actually deal with that as well. Acknowledge that, handle that. Because um, you can't just go, well, I'm going to be awesome and whatever, and not actually acknowledge that you made a decision about your fitness, that you were just going to be fat forever uh, and miserable and die of a heart attack, right? If that's underlying it and you're like, okay, I'm going to be fit and skinny and awesome and athletic, 
eh, it's not going to go so well because it's always going to be underneath it, you know? Yeah. So you have to actually deal with whatever you're going through and not sugarcoat it. Um, and once you do that, you're not only able to be that kind of person that you said you wanted to be, but also you get to be more authentic. So one of the things you talked about, which I think is important to highlight is dealing with your stuff internally, and then also showing up as that authentic person where you express to others and you acknowledge, hey, you might've seen me really struggling. That's because I've been going through a really hard time. That's being vulnerable. That's being real. And being a leader doesn't mean that you have to always have yourself all buttoned up. It means that you show up as a human being because guess what? The people on your team, they're also human beings. They're going to have their own experiences of stress and burnout and depression and all kinds of life things that happen. And the more they feel like you are being real with them, the more they can be real with you because you're creating a safety net. Yep. So Bill, thank you so much for coming on yep. and, and sharing some of these really deep, important, self-reflective kind of moments for our listeners. Um, and obviously you are still out there doing this work, supporting leaders in all the ways in which you do. So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, wow, I would love to learn more about Bill and his work, where should they go? Super easy. Scalingcoach.com is our website. That's easy. I mean, you can find our show on all the platforms from LinkedIn to YouTube to Facebook, et cetera. But um, scalingcoach.com is our website and has the links to all of our shows. I do at least one show a week. Um, and I work with business leaders and business leadership teams on high growth companies and have a huge range of workshops and coaching programs and that kind of thing for those folks. Fantastic. So we'll have a link to that website and to your podcast on our show notes. So everybody can just grab those links. Uh, and I just want to thank you for showing up today and sharing your message. This is another way that you get to create that uh, purpose for other people. This is how you kind of spread that message and impact more folks out there. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I count it in my results. Nice. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody.